This week on Movie Time Machine, a middle-aged woman finds herself in the middle of a huge conflict that will either make her a profit or cost her her life. This is Jackie Brown. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, your retro movie review podcast, where we take movies from the past and live them in the present. This week's movie is Jackie Brown, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, released in the year 1997, starring Pam Greer, Robert Forrester, Samuel L. Jackson, and Robert De Niro. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and I want to do some introductions, introduce you to my Time Machine co-host first. He's a hip old granny who can hip hop, bebop, dance to you, drop, and yo-yo, make a wicked cup of cocoa. It's Casey. What's up? Yes, that's exactly (laughs) who I am. And he wants to be left alone on the island. It's Mr. Scaredy Pants himself. It's Jamie. What's up? Hey, you could leave me with like a a video game system on an island, though, too. Yeah, one with a forever battery. Original Game Boy. Oh, perfect. You know those uh, whole, if you were stranding at, stranded on a desert island, and what would you bring with you? They never include, like, yeah, you could bring this movie, but you're going to have absolutely no way of watching it. <laughs> Here's your DVD. <laughs> you could, yeah. Good luck. Invent <laughs> DVD player out of wood. Right. <laughs> Figure it out. He's our living encyclopedia of movie knowledge and NES cart collector. It's James. Hey, what's up? Hi, I'm James. <laughs> Before we get into our movie of the week, discussion of the week, topic of the week, I want to go around the table and talk about what everyone's been up to since the last time we got together. If you have any recommendations or what you've been watching, doing, playing, reading, etc. I want to let you guys know what I've seen since the last time we got together. A really cool music documentary that I think everyone should go out there and watch. It's called The Summer of Soul. And currently it's on Hulu. It's about the uh, Summer of Soul Festival that took place in the year 1969 in Harlem. And it occurred over six weekends over the summer. This was the same summer of Woodstock. So 1969. And it's just amazing. There's uh, It was uh, footage that had never really been seen before because it was sitting in a basement for 50 years. And it was Questlove that helped put this documentary together and they went back and they looks like they remastered a lot of the film and it is amazing. You have some really early, early performances by like Stevie wonder and um, the list goes on. If you like old uh, R and B soul uh, funk, um, all that stuff. It's, it's just amazing footage. So check it out. Casey, what have you been up to? I have uh, I've actually been on a Marvel kick. I finished up uh, what was it? Uh, 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 Falcon Winter Soldier. Finished that one up. Uh, I think it got a lot more interesting after like episode three. Um, for me, it was when the new Captain America just yammed that dude with the shield, just murdered that dude <laughs> straight dude, up, that murdered was him brutal. <laughs> in the middle of public. Like that was. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Okay, this is this is getting to get real. And then I thought um, it was really cool to kind of see that as Marvel. And maybe I'm, I'm mistaken, but it felt like to me the first time they kind of dipped their toes into like modern America problems like racism and talking about how, you know, a black man could never be Captain America. I just thought that was uh, a cool way to kind of get involved a little bit or be more modern um, about how it really was. So that was sweet. And then um, we just started Loki. So I'm one episode on Loki and I'm all in. It was like first episode I'm hooked. I wanted to watch more immediately, but it was too late. But wow, even the the first episode alone was phenomenal. So I'm really excited to finish that. My new favorite Marvel character might be Miss Minutes from the training videos. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Have you have you finished it, Jamie? I'm halfway through episode two. So just okay. a little bit ahead of Casey. I think there's one episode, maybe the end of episode three. I think only one of the episodes has like an end credit scene or like a mid credit oh, scene. Or I whatever. hate having so, to look. I know, but I think it's after the third one. It's so awesome. And coming from me, I haven't really been like a huge uh, Marvel fan. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really liked Loki. 
I'm I'm really into anything like parallel universe, timey wimey, time travel, alternate dimension, anything like that, like that trippy shit. I love anything like that. And so just that whole the, even the training video talking about the multi timeline, it's, it's such a funny way to do that. Uh it was I'm I'm so excited. James, what have you been up to? Well, I'd like to add that I wanted the timeline cartoon, like the Miss Lady Clock that was like talking. I really wanted it to be the um Jurassic Park, like, hi, I'm Mr. DNA. Like, I wanted it like to be like, oh my god, I know that voice. Which actually for her, like, did you guys say already? Do you was she somebody special? I never looked that up. She sounded familiar too. Oh, who who voiced that character? Yeah, who voiced that little cartoon? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it did have the I did get the Jurassic Park vibes from it though, because I had like that kind of oh. kind of little bit of southern. Yeah, southern, and then uh, southern drawl. Too. Well, and then the uh, the training videos cartoon was straight. It felt like so nineteen eighty five animation that mm-hmm. it was like awesome. It like felt very uh, Thundercats GI Joe esque um, animation, and that was just that was fun in itself too. So. Yeah, th- that style of like, I don't know, retro futurism type of thing. It's uh, reminded me a lot of Portal, like Aperture Science, that whole th- shtick. If anyone's played the Portal games, there's a lot of mm. that kind of stuff, too. Yes. If you haven't <laughs> played those, they're super fun. They're, uh, if we easy, could... they're little platform puzzlers. They're not like intense. They're they're really easy to pick up and put down. It's a fun game. If we could capture Jamie just right there from my text message tones, where every time I get text, it goes, mm, yes, that would be fantastic. Mm, yes. <laughs> That's how I feel about Portal. Mm, um, yes. As far as what I've been up to, uh, I was kind of texting you guys about it, but yeah, I watched or watched. I read um, the uh, Shawshank Redemption, uh, which was good. And then uh, Jamie, I did. Uh, purchase recently. I had a tough time finding it on Amazon, but Target had it, of course. Um, the uh, whatever seasons, dead seasons, what'd you call it? Different seasons. The book? Different seasons, yeah. So I just purchased that, so I'm excited to jump into a couple of those other uh, short stories of his, so that'll be fun. Uh, and then as far as TV shows, I finished Battlestar Galactica. Um, worth it. I'd say give it uh, the new version, not the 70s version. Um, so that might be worth it too. I guess I don't know, but uh, it was definitely worth it. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I think it still holds up because I think it was like that uh, came out in like two thousand four or whatnot, and I was still very very entertained um, by it. So yeah, that's me. Sweet. I will uh, back clean up and um, what I I've kind of been into comics a little bit. I'm on a comics kick right now, and one I have right now. I'm I'm calling it. This is going to be a the next big tv series or movie it's called um the department of truth and it's a comic where um basically all of the conspiracy theories are real like lee harvey oswald didn't assassinate kennedy there were two shooters it's kind of hard to explain without explaining the book but basically there's the secret government organization that's controlling everything and i i promise it's not it it's fun it's not the dark corners of the internet conspiracy theory nonsense like it's riffing on that almost and is it um, the men in black it, it's kind of like that that's actually a really good way to think of it yeah so think of like the secret organization that's the men in black but they're basically showing how co- we're making conspiracy theories real by putting all of this thought into it so it's very cool i i would i'm i'm I've never been more impressed with like a first issue of a comic just right away. I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy the full run. So I'm calling it. This is going to be the next TV series or movie department of truth. Cool. I like so the art what got, style. What got you into just, that comic? Like what made you think to even look for that? I, so my brother and I kind of have this thing going where um, he, he kind of got me into comics, younger brother. And I will just like buy ones we think are cool and mail them to each other. Just kind of like a, pen pal thing he lives in california i live here and he just sent me this one he was like i think you might like this and he was absolutely right that's fun i should do that with my brother who's only like 10 minutes away but i probably see him (laughs) just as much as your brother (laughs) perfect you Um, should also oh sorry no go ahead jamie i was just gonna say this is fun since we have cameras up on this uh 
this podcast right now so we can see each other except for Jamie. So Jamie, you sound like the voice of God, which is amazing because you do sound like the voice inside my head. So like I'm seeing these guys' actions and then all of a sudden you speak to me in this awesome voice. It's <laughs> awesome. Mm. If I'm God, we're all doomed. I just need to buy a webcam. That's all it is. Mm. <laughs> mm, yes. Mm. Let's get into our movie of the week. This week it's Jackie Brown. And I think this is the first time for all of us watching this movie. Yeah. So can't wait to get first, into first time, long time. <laughs> yeah. First, first, first time we're here. First time listener, long first time caller. Wait a minute. Reverse that. First time. What? First time, long time. That's how it goes. All right. <laughs> so we'll go through a uh, box office and some ratings reviews. Then after that, we'll get into our thoughts on the film. So box office for Jackie Brown. At a budget of $12 million and made 74.7 at the box office. It was released on December 27th, 1997. I thought it was kind of a crazy release window. That's like a Christmas movie. Yeah. So maybe that's something to do with that love story. I don't know. Christmas love story movie. But (laughs) ratings reviews. IMDb. It has a 7.5 out of 10. Metacritic score of 64. Rotten Tomatoes critic score 87% and 85% audience score. So it would, I went through the Metacritic scores and I just picked like the top one, something like a high score, and then I picked like a lower score. So first we'll go to Roger and Ebert, uh, which gave it, I think they what they do for like four stars. So it's like a 100% review from Roger and Ebert. It said, you savor every moment of Jackie Brown. Those who say it is too long have developed cinematic attention deficit disorder, just like Chad when watching The Departed. That's a good one, Casey. Um, Exit that line. I wanted these characters to live, talk, deceive, and scheme for hours and hours. Then we have a review from the New York Times. Elvis Mitchell was uh, 50% on Metacritic. But for all of its enthusiasm, this film isn't sharp enough to afford all the time it wastes on small talk, long drives, trips to the mall, and favorite songs played on car radios. What? My God. What? Like that is like the charm of uh, Tarantino movies is like as soon as with the opening credits, I'm like, it just got me right into, oh, yes, this is going to be a great soundtrack. I'm excited <laughs> like to watch it. Yeah. I feel like Tarantino just picks out such good, uh, not even obscure music necessarily, but just something just music that uh, you don't hear in movies too often. And then it just uh, or just oldies in general where it's like, ooh, this was like a B-side uh, track two on this album kind of thing. And it's awesome. Right. There's you can he he picks great music and maybe stuff that's kind of gotten a little bit lost through like music history and kind of pulls it back a little bit. But he also does a great job of like when and where he places it into the film. So I have like a moment I want to share with you guys later and see what you guys think about that. But I thought it was like really cool. Like what his choice of song in that moment was. So but yeah, so Jackie Brown First time for all of us, uh, which was just was really fun to do. Um, I've been really wanting to see this movie for a long time and really curious to hear your thoughts on this. So let's start with I'm gonna, why don't we start with Casey, right? Your upper left hand corner. Let's go Ooh. clockwise. <laughs> for those at home, theater of the mind, right? Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> Yeah, so Jackie Brown, I I thought Jackie Brown was a good film. I guess I want to start with the positives because I think the only things that I have to say are kind of the things I didn't like about it. And maybe that, uh, I don't know, because it was a Tarantino, I had such high expectations, right? Because almost everything I've watched of his, I've really liked. Um, So, you know, you have these high expectations and there were just a couple of things that, I don't know, maybe they were the the thing in that time when he made it, but they just, I don't know if it didn't age well or if uh, I just wasn't a fan of it, but uh, there was a lot to like. Uh, I, the music was awesome. I mean, he did a great job with that. I thought, I mean, the characters were fantastic. Um, obviously like Pam Greer as Jackie, I thought was phenomenal. She like carried that role so well. And I thought she was amazing. Um, and, and oddly enough, uh, my second favorite character was probably Robert De Niro as the, the like ex-con just because he, I never heard him say anything until, I don't know, halfway through the movie. And just his facial expressions they played that whole character. He said so much was just with body movement, facial expressions, like looks off. Yeah, it was just so, I don't know, I loved it. Um, I really did like Michael Keaton as like the cop, the cool cop. 
Um, I thought, I, I thought that was great. Uh, act, yeah, I don't know. So those were, I, I thought it was great. Uh, and you know, Chris Tucker's little bit in the beginning, I thought was hilarious. Um, but that kind of leads me to my first criticism as I thought the, the argument at the trunk was a little too long. I got kind of <laughs> bored of them arguing about getting in or not. Uh, that was that I think dragged on too long. I thought that some of the transitions were a little strange, like just maybe abrupt fade outs or just kind of awkward cuts between like one scene to the next. There were a few times that I just found myself thinking, huh, that was a, a weird way to just kind of end that scene and move on to the next. Um, and I think early on is, I think it was the scene when, uh, uh, what's his, what is Samuel Jackson, uh, Ordell, when he showed up to kill Jackie, right. And she like turned the table on him from that point forward. I kind of had made a, the call in my head. I'm like, Oh, she's going to do this. She's going to get some money out of it. And he's going to end up dying. Like there's the, like, I kind of called it. And then the movie just drove right there. And that, and it was fine. And that, again, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie, but uh, to me, it felt just kind of like a straight drive down a road. It was, it was nice, calm, entertaining movie just down the road. And most of Quentin is the most, is a lot more, you know, flying at high speed up and down hills and twistings and turns. And there's a lot more, you know, things keeping on the edge of your seat. I think, I think a little more the high stakes drama, I guess. Um, I don't know what else, how else to explain, to describe it, but Again, I, I I really did enjoy this movie. I'd give it like a three. What what is Letterbox four stars? Five stars. Five. I'd give it a four to five for sure. Maybe even four and a half. It was a great film. But I give most of the other Quentin Tarantino movies fives. Right? I think they're fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I have to to say about it. Good film. Um, I would watch it again. I did like it a lot. The 110th Street song absolutely stuck in my head, and that's added to spotify playlist and i will it'll be in my a feather in my cap to listen to for the rest of my life probably it's a really good catchy song and it'll probably turn me on to other similar you know parts of, of music and, and things that i haven't heard so i love it for that um but yeah just uh i don't know it was it was good it just didn't uh, meet the high bar that i think quentin has sent with some of his other films i will say and i know we're going to do ranking our list but i absolutely i think the I'll just throw it out there. The, the Quentin I don't like the I like the least was the Hateful Eight, and I like this significantly more than the Hateful Eight. All right, Jamie, why don't you go next? Because I don't want James to accuse you of waiting till the end to steal everyone's <laughs> takes. <laughs> Take plagiarism. That's fair, especially because I'm in incognito mode right now. So um, <laughs> I was gonna say, what are you wearing? <laughs> my color <laughs> there goes casey oh casey <laughs> um casey so with i'll the start c. with the c i'll start similar to casey um i will say that i for i love this movie but i did fall asleep three or four times the first time i tried watching it and i think that was a factor of it being later at night but also the slower pace it's it's a different rhythm than other tarantino films for sure um, so that is very valid, but I think, um, more than anything, what I love, Pam Greer, phenomenal, Robert Forrester, so good. And I think Ordell Robbie might be my favorite Quentin Tarantino character, like period. I just, everything Sam Jackson does, he, he can be really hit or miss for me. Like he's really over the top, but I think it's, he, he just like really, I don't know it's a real guy and it's less Sam Jackson, more Odell Robbie or Del Robbie, if that makes sense. So, and I thought he felt really lethal. Like he might be QT's best bad guy or Hans Landa. It's close. But, um, so I love that. And I, I think at the very end it was, um, is it Tarantino's only love story in a movie? I was trying to think of his other films. I, they have moments, but I kind of, I really like that. I like the ending and it was an imperfect love story, an imperfect, awkward kiss. But I think that that made it better. If that makes well, any sense. Didn't Bill love the bride? <laughs> oh, that's no. okay. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Did he shoot her? He loved her like a bullet to the brain. 
<laughs> said something about yeah. now you see me at my most sadistic. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, that might be in the first paragraph of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I um, think she had a better relationship with Pai Mei, but well, I guess they had a kid together. <laughs> With uh, not pie meat, but uh, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. this guy, <laughs> the bearded wispy guy. <laughs> oh man, um, Jamie, your uh, call out with Sam, uh, Sam Jackson. I was trying to explain to somebody, uh, at work, like that he had a ponytail and like <laughs> how his ponytail was, and like, and I just like I finally had to like Google it because I'm like, I can't do this justice and like how it's coming out of his hat and all this, and it was awesome. <laughs> I, I think read Casey a Fest described review. it. Oh, what was that? Oh, oh I, I was just going to read a letterbox review. Damn it. <laughs> Casey described it best as the 12 monkeys guy ponytail. But anyway, sorry. I'll let you go this yeah. time. <laughs> no, I think that's right. Like The letterbox review said Sam Jackson has two ponytails in this movie. And that, that was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. that, that was one in the front and the chin is what I call a douchebag rope. <laughs> oh, then he had three because at one point he had it like braided, so it was two in the back, and I don't know, it's just good for him. <laughs> I just hope it was real. It matches that type <laughs> of like character, a, though. Perfect. Not like a merkin. <laughs> Do you think that carpet matches the drapes? <laughs> oh god, it's my favorite line in like forgetting Sarah Marshall. I wonder if the carpet matches her pubes. <laughs> like, <whatever. laughs> it's like no, nice more importantly, hair. I'm asking: Do you think he braids those as well? 100 100% or ponytails them well I'd like to think <laughs> Pig, that it's almost pigtails. like uh, was it Dave Chappelle that's like carves faces into the facial hair of that and makes gangsta faces <laughs> that's how I think it is <laughs> God. as much well, as I like to think about Sam Jackson that way hi um, I love that the uh, call out Casey to um, Pacino not Pacino, <laughs> Pacino. <laughs> oh my god what movie was um, he in it was a devil's advocate uh, Advocate? Oh, you said it right though. Advocates, yeah, advocates. <laughs> that that was a Pacino. No, De Niro though in this one. Um, just because I, uh, I just love when, with Tarantino. He writes it in my head. I kind of view him as like plays or scenes. Like it's very strict. Like okay, here's the opening scene. This is going to be like ten to fifteen minutes, and it's going to be just some like sharp dialogue, and I'm going to get some content of what's happening, and then he moves on to the next scene, and then something else absurd with some great characters happen. Um, with this one, when Robert De Niro shows up and like, uh, it's just Sam Jackson talking, 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 he's listening and making these like facial expressions and stuff. I was like, all right, what kind of character is De Niro going to be? And I was just ever so delighted that he was the character that like said barely anything throughout this whole thing. It was all like facial expressions throughout everything. Um, the most you get out of him is when he gets like super ticked off and shoots, uh, (laughs) what's her face? Mel or Melanie and, uh, Melanie. Um, so I don't know. I just like, I liked his character a lot. Um, Sam Jackson, like, uh, I don't know if it's just the way his dialogue flows sometimes when, especially when it's long stretches, like of a monologue, but like after, um, different stretches, all I could hear was like from Pulp Fiction where he's like, you know, that greenhouse at the bottom of that, of that building. Yeah. Motherfucker fell through that. (laughs) (laughs) You just like, you just, I just like hear him like his dialogue flow through and it, it just it plays so well. And you just uh, you do want to listen to him for a while. Like, yeah, screw Morgan Freeman. I want to watch March of the Penguins with Sam Jackson talking about these mother effing penguins. Say and, what one uh, more time. Say what one more time. <laughs> what again? <laughs> do they speak English? And what? Like... <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, it's good. So that's why I like I don't know. Yeah, I I can appreciate the character he had, but um, I like Jules' character better. But also, uh, with Pulp Fiction, it was um, so chopped up. Like if it was more, it was more fluid. Like this was like Jules' uh, character. I think would steal the scene every single time. Um, but no, this one was uh, this one was good. I kept him waiting for like a Bruce Willis cameo. Like I just felt like I wasn't totally confident with who all was in this movie. Um, so I was just kept on waiting for more of okay, who who's this going to be? Like who are they going to meet now? Like what's going to happen? So. Um, but yeah, I agree. Robert Forrester crushed it. I kept on trying to think of what I recognized him from. Like, he's just such a familiar face. Uh, finally it occurred to me that, um, he was in breaking bad in the final season, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's where I'm like, ah, oh, God, I know that guy. So, um, we can go into Oscar stuff later, but, uh, he was nominated Robert Forrester. He was the only one nominated for an Oscar for supporting an actor that year. 
uh, but he rightfully lost to Robin Williams for Good Will Hunting. Oh, Good Will. I've heard uh, of that movie before. Time role. Dude, this was a banner year. So he was up against Robert, Robin Williams for Good Will Hunting, Anthony Hopkins for Amistad, Burt Reynolds for Boogie Nights, and Greg Kinnear for As Good As It Gets. Like, this is a, this was a wow. killer year for movies like that. So, um, all yeah. in all, I would say, yeah, like if we were going out of stars with four out of five or whatever, yeah, I'd say probably four. I really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite, but it was definitely, I'm surprised it took me as long as it did to watch this, to be honest. I think I was same. just holding off on it. Yeah, same here. I I remember I've tried to like start this movie like quite a few times. Like I've really been wanting to watch this film for um, a long time, probably since it released, and I just never got around to it. And um, I think first, like I think I I was expecting that this was kind of like some kind of homage to like that 70, 70s like black exploitation movie era, just probably because it has uh, Pam Greer in it. And there are some like little nods to that in the movie, you know. And I think like there's one cool one where she's like they like ask who it is, and she's like Jackie Brown. You know, but and some like the songs and the the music uh, soundtrack are from like Coffee or Foxy Brown, um, one of those two films. So um, a little homage and nods to that past as well. But I yeah, watched Pam, this two times. And I great. just like the first. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like and super sexy, by the way. Yeah, agree. Was- Red dress scene. Forget about it. Right. Oh, forget about it. (laughs) Forget about it. But yeah, (laughs) the first time I watched this, um, I really didn't know what to think about it. I was like, do I like this? Is this a good movie? Like, you know, I just had all these different thoughts in my head where like, yeah, it didn't feel like what you would call like a traditional uh, Tarantino film because it was missing some of those kind of high kind of those like over a top over the top action elements i guess is what i think of all the time and and i watched the second time and started really really loving the soundtrack and i started to realize like oh this is just like a love story between max cherry and jackie brown that's the focus of this film everything else is kind of the isn't really the whole of this you know the part of the story so it's just kind of how these two come together and meet in their past. And I think their past is kind of like the reason why they don't kind of run off to the sunset in the end. And I think that's kind of like that Tarantino like touch too. like, there isn't, or maybe it's just, it was like a nineties thing too, but like, we don't get that. There's not that happy ending where they do kind of split up and they just go their own ways again. But yeah, I really like this. It was because of the kiss, the kiss. It wasn't a good, yeah, did anybody else know, like think that way about it? Like, I thought like both of them are both separately great actors, and then I just wasn't bought into the final kiss at the end. I got to be very honest. I was like, "That's really? this is weird." I just um, thought it was like this. It was slow, you know. It was meh, meh. I don't, All right. I don't know. I thought it he was couldn't no... go with her because then she couldn't like get away. You know, it'd be too obvious if he were to disappear too. I would maybe. I would concur. Maybe I like Actually, to think that he meets her with her later. Like Zewatanejo style. Yep. Nice. See, I was <laughs> nice thinking because <laughs> I noticed this the second time I watched it when, which is like one of my favorite like scenes in the movie where it's like they replay the whole money handoff scene in the apparel store where it does it from like there's like three different scenes essentially like with like different perspectives. Yeah, and um, where it's the one from Max Cherry's perspective, and he's like kind of watching uh, Jackie Brown come in and she like is getting this money. And now she's buying like a new uh, pantsuit, <laughs> right? You know, and like, I just like, oh, it's like Max knows that she's going to run off with all this money and she's going to continue to flash what she has, right? She's not going to be able to keep this a secret. And, you know, like, I don't think he could see himself. I think he kind of wants to get away from that stuff, too. Like, he talks early in a film, like, he wants to get out of, like, the Bales Bonds business and stuff like that. So I, I kind of saw that as, like, he's, like, he he loves her. He's attracted to her. But he just, he doesn't want the drama, you know? Like, he doesn't, he can't have that. And he kind of sees how, like, um, that Jackie Brown probably, that, that probably wouldn't last very long. 
Probably not. I actually like the take of he would choose not to go with her to protect her. Um, I wish if that was the idea, I wish that was a little bit more obvious to the storyline. But I do like that idea that that's exactly why they couldn't run off into the sunset together. Kudos to Jamie on that. Do you think because some of like the critic reviews and ratings on this movie were a little bit lower, I would probably like a C grade overall. Do you think this movie kind of suffered from like a pulp fiction like one follow up disorder? <laughs> if this comes I out like pulp... what two years after pulp two fiction? or three, yeah. But I think this is like I think the pulp fiction is a superior movie to this one, uh, in oh, yeah. just my opinion. Um, but yeah, so but if it went like Reservoir Dogs, this movie, and then Pulp Fiction, I like it would have only like grown higher and higher and higher. Like I think this movie would have yeah. done a lot better. I think it was compared yeah. to his last works, like most, like most um, writer directors are compared to his last works. I mean, I'm sorry. After Sixth Sense, sorry, M Night. Everybody, everybody's not on board. Unfortunately, you didn't like I the am. village. I'm one of your. I'm a fan. Oh, I love the village. No, I'm yeah. a fan. I love Signs. I love the village. If you go back and watch Unbreakable, like it's slow as hell, but I, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, I love Unbreakable. I, I haven't seen Signs. <laughs> oh, Maybe I love Signs. Signs. Signs is good. And then uh, we should do Signs. Signs is in the time like where I think it might not have done as well because I can't remember when Mel went completely crazy besides the fact that he just is. Um, but now I think he's sober, had some therapy. He's getting back in the game. And I don't know. It's like Tom Cruise crazy for me. I can separate from the actor, <laughs> the crazy. Like, I love both of those guys. <laughs> right. You could, you could you could appreciate the art, but, uh, you know, I, you could separate like, I can separate the art Ransom. from the... Yeah. <laughs> I can watch but Ransom. I can watch Braveheart. Scientology, though. <laughs> Scientology. That one's yeah, tough. But have you seen Tom run? Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they like disappear people. They're shady. Shady AF. I don't even want to talk about them anymore. In case I like, you know, I like Tom. comes after us. I like you can Tom tell the vanilla sky. in his voice. Oh my god, Chad, how come like you always name the worst movies of somebody's best work? Like or when we're talking about somebody. Like, you're like, oh, I've never seen Magnolia, but I'm going to. Oh, yeah. Tom was great in Vanilla Sky. Hey, have you ever seen Tom? Have you ever seen Tom, Tom, have you ever seen Tom Hanks in Big? <laughs> like, he was amazing. Oh, shut up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think I own most Tom Cruise movies, to be very honest. And Vanilla Sky is probably the one I watched the least. <laughs> OK, what's your top three Tom Cruise movies? That's not Mission Impossible. That's not Mission Impossible. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Or, it's Edge uh, of Tomorrow, thank you, I, and that would also be my number one. <laughs> I know I wanted somebody. I wanted you to correct me so bad. I, I really want to see that one. Call it that. The sequel supposedly is going to be called that, though. <laughs> oh Christ! Um, I don't know if it's a top. I really like Valkyrie. Um, and then, God, you put what's me on the, the spot. What's man. the precog one? The oh yeah, Minority, Minority Report. Minority Report, yeah. That's the thing, though. Like, Tom makes, like, some sweet, like, uh, sci-fi movies, man. Like, between, like, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Minority Report. Uh, yeah, Oblivion's a movie I've the, been wanting to see, too. War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah, I like uh, War of the I'd, Worlds. I'd have to say my top, like, Tom movie, though, is, like, I really like Collateral. Uh, that Michael Mann movie, where he's the assassin. He's, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. Wasn't there one with him, too, where he replays, like, him and, boy. him and Jamie Foxx? What? Yeah, isn't he like kid like hold him hostage or something like that? Yeah, Jamie Foxx is a cab driver, and uh, Tom gets in the cab, offers him some money to drive him around all night. He has like three stops or six stops or something to make, and then in turn, uh, Jamie's not supposed to know the wiser, but then one of the guys he shoots lands on the hood of his car, and then he's like, then he holds him basically hostage, like you're gonna finish driving me around, or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> then at the end, like Jamie Foxx, like is finally gets rid of him. He's like, I'm free. But then he realized Tom left his groceries in the trunk of the car. Yes. <laughs> Melting ice cream and all. So he's like, I just um, want to do him a favor and I'll, I'll bring him back his groceries. <laughs> I'd also go last. Sam last Samurai is also, I think, very I think it's I don't know. I think it's really well shot and done. Um, Tom is a samurai. I get it, <laughs> but <laughs> but the rest of the movie is good. <laughs> all right, I'll trust you. I believe all you. Right, all right, all right. Man, I'm I wasn't joking I about Jerry Maguire. I love that movie. Cameron Crowe's first movie. Or it's almost movie? a football movie. 
It's almost well, a football movie. Written by the guy who did Almost Famous. Boom. <laughs> almost football. Oh, yeah. Rod Tidwell, man. God. Help me help you. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good quotes in that movie. <laughs> so what... Okay. So what do you... What did, <laughs> what did you think of um, De Niro in this film? I know we kind of talked about already a little bit about how, like, yeah, we don't really hear him talk for, like, almost, like, the first half of the film. And um, when I first saw him, I was like, God, he looks really familiar. And I was like, oh, he looks like Nick from New Girl <laughs> from, like, the side. Like an older Nick from New Girl. Like an older Nick yeah. from New Girl? That's spot, <laughs> that's spot on. That's so good. I was trying to think, like... um. I couldn't think of like what the movie like maybe he did before that was uh, because I was thinking like he had put on weight maybe for the role, but maybe not. Like, I guess that was kind of in the time when like, I don't know what, two years later he didn't meet the Fockers or whatever, or meet the parents. So I don't know. He just didn't seem as fit as he usually does, but. Well, didn't he just come off casino? I thought I felt like he just came off heat or something like that. Oh, casino was 95. Um, so he come out in 96 thought heat was 95 as well oh yep you're right yeah so i don't know why it was chubby but did anyone think that so like ordell uh who was de niro's character lewis i believe and yeah. then we have the the blonde girl melanie right yep did anyone get the sense that actually these people just even though Ordell is kind of a badass and he's like this guns dealer that they're just kind of fumbling idiots in a way. <laughs> like even like yep. even Jackie Brown a little bit, like they're not the smartest criminals, you know, like Jackie Brown. She's gotten like busted twice now. Um, at well, the I feel beginning. Like Melanie calls that out. Yeah. <laughs> like Melanie's yeah. like, Melanie's like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Yeah, and that's why I was kind of thinking like the opening part with uh, Ordell and um, not Boudreaux. What's his name? Bordeaux, Boudreaux. Uh, uh, Beaumont. Chris Tucker. Beaumont, yes. Beaumont. I was getting there. The Mr. Beaumont. Yeah, like his the... Christian name if I had to guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, it just kind of like just it seems like the people that Ordell is dealing with are not the brightest, but maybe that's how you get people to like, you know, help trade and sell your guns but, too. So, but, but I was like, okay, maybe they explained this better and I just missed it. But was the half a million strictly from him selling guns? Like, and, or did he have a big shipment that he just made a huge score on? And then he got the money from Mexico. I'm just confused on like, to your point, he's dealing with like, uh, like kind of like the bottom of the barrel of criminal and like is kind of concerned or not concerned, but just like didn't seem like uh, it, like he'd bring any of these people on a major heist, if you will. So like, I'm just kind of trying to figure out like, how did he get half a million? And was like, I'm out and I'm going to retire by just dealing with these common criminals. I don't know, but maybe that's just the arms game and I'm not aware of it very well. Just don't know the logistics, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that plays until he's kind of, kind of an idiot not well not an idiot just not the smartest criminal you know and even yeah. uh melanie is saying that to lewis like you know she's like he doesn't really know much he just repeats the things that he hears you know and and he gets De Niro. he just comes back he just got out of prison right for like a bank heist yeah and we kind of see after he kind of fumbles around and like he ends up killing melanie and then you know, like he was kind of trying to explain himself to Ordell. Like it just seems like he wasn't and less of the I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just not played out that well, like those characters, but everyone just, to me just seemed like they're kind of yeah, not the not the best and brightest of the criminal world. I'm surprised to see that this was uh based on a book. I thought this uh, initially I guess I would have thought if this was a Tarantino oh, yeah. original. Rum rum punch, it, yep. Yeah. Yeah, is, is, uh, is anybody familiar with that book? Like, is this is nope. the premise similar, and it just didn't take place in L.A. kind of thing, or what? I think the I think it was so, pretty. You go like, ahead. You're, Jamie, you're I'm the you. you're the yeah you're the <laughs> English major. 
Well, I, I haven't read <laughs> Rum Punch, but I, I did pull it up on Wikipedia. And um, I, I think it's – and I I read one or two interviews um, for the, the writer Elmore Leonard talking about it. And um, it's – I think it follows the story pretty closely. The changes were – Tarantino changed she's called Jackie Burke in the book he changed her name to Jackie Brown and makes her black that was a Tarantino change and I think um he loved Elmore Leonard so he was kind of apprehensive to show him the screenplay but he said Elmore Leonard said it was the greatest adaptation of his work um into film he loved it and as far as I can tell on Wikipedia the story beats are the same and Michael Keaton's character there was a bit of a um, he plays, oh, what's his name? Agent. Ray. Ray Nicolette. Ray. Yeah. Ray Nicolette. Yeah, they were. Hi, I'm Ray. <laughs> Let me tell you how I quit smoking with Chantix. Yeah, so at the same <laughs> time, there was, I don't know who the director was, but there was a universal film being made called Out of Sight. That's oh, yeah. also With based a, on a story Gilo? by Elmore Leonard and Michael Keaton plays the same character in that movie as well. So there Wait, was in that George Clooney movie out of sight. Is it a George Clooney movie? It's George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, I think. Yeah, if it's the same movie, yeah, look it up. Yeah, it is. He plays the I'm same. I'm trying to find Michael Keaton in it. Same character. But uh, Elmore Leonard, right? Did I say that right? He also wrote some other story, yeah, other short stories that were adapted into uh, film and TV that you might know, um, like 310 to Yuma. That's, uh, Oh, I love that movie. And the FX series justified. I hear great things. I just haven't seen it, but I love Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. I love Tim. Didn't he do get shorty also, or am I, you know, remembering that. Are you talking about Tim, Timothy Oliphant? No, 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 Elmore Leonard. Oh, I was going to say, because I was going to ask you if you seen, started the second season of The Mandalorian yet. <laughs> Negative. Dude, would you watch it Sorry. if I told God, you? Bit, I wish we you... could have sound effects on here. Wah, wah. We, we just straight inception him every time. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> would you watch it? Would you go ahead and start watching it this week if I told you that Timothy Oliphant is in the first episode of season Ooh, two? Yeah, I actually might. I love that, dude. Okay. Why well, did it take you this long to tell him that? <laughs> I'll be damned. Chad, uncredited is Ray Nicolette and Out of Sight. Hmm. Now I want to watch Out of Sight. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and see if he plays the character the same. I think they came out like really close. To I'm, I'm guessing like he would. Time. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely like yeah. a, a character rights disagreement or. They, they had to squash it before Jackie Brown came out because he was supposed to be in out of sight at around the same time. Yep. It just says uncredited. So I can't imagine he's in there for very long, but well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, he I'm just drives by. I was like, Hey, I'm reading a lot. And we're like, and they'll he'll like, he'll like, Hey Ray. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's like Tarantino's like in the car riding shotgun. <laughs> Somebody's watching Jackie Brown in the background. <laughs> exactly <laughs> or just no walking like foxy brown in the background or something with pam greer oh yeah good, fun fact pam talk. greer so uh are you guys uh familiar with just suicide squad the movie or whatever in general like yeah so there was the um what is her name waller amanda waller or whatever character like the fbi agent in smallville pam greer played her oh no way really that's the uh viola davis character in the movie yeah the right? viola davis character in okay. suicide squad yeah so God, you've seen so in, many uh, movies james that's crazy uh, almost... that's a tv show it was only 10 seasons so it's not that you've bad. watched so much tv james <laughs> i stopped in like season six <laughs> i think that's when i started binging it actually is like season six like i think i got into real time around season seven or eight spoilers but when his dad died i was like yeah after that it went downhill yeah, I understand. Spo- spoilers: Jonathan Kent does not survive. <laughs> <laughs> but he is also he's fun in fact. episode four of The Mandalorian season two. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, Clark fun fact: Un- Uncle Ben also doesn't survive any Spider-Man comics. 
Yeah. <laughs> he goes on and finds another career making rice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that, yes, a, is that a different? Is that a different Uncle Ben? I don't know. That's a different Uncle Ben. Oh. Okay. And then Miss okay. Lippy's car is green. No, that was a Billy Madison reference. <laughs> I, I Jamie. got it. Do you, oh. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Da, 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 da. Oh, so earlier I teased uh, this. Just I while we're you... on topic of randomness, who else watched Space Jam? It's two? Negative. The new one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the new one. <laughs> by by, uh, by who else I meant, I hadn't watched it either. Um, I was just curious if anybody had initial thoughts. Oh, Space Jam 2, I, I liked it. I thought it was way better than The Departed. <laughs> no honestly no honestly no i'm just kidding but honestly i watched because it just came out i think last weekend so we watched uh, of course watched it with the kids so we watched space jam too then i think the next day we watched um i watched the little rascals movie with them oh it's so good and uh yeah and uh penelope spheris movie um we also directed uh the decline of western civilization episode 63 of movie time machine um then that night we watched um what mid 90s and out of those three movies i would say maybe space jam well I don't, little rascals are pretty good but i'd say space jam might have been like as entertaining as the other ones but now i think about that for you little rascals for the viewers good. out there i think everybody if if you're not new to Movie Time Machine, I'm looking at you, Vietnam. Uh, I think you know that Chad <laughs> hates The Departed. So when he says, I like Space Jam 2 better than The Departed, the bar is so low. And then when he can't tell if he liked Little Rascals better than Space Jam. Oh, my God. <laughs> Makes me sad. <laughs> but, okay. okay. Anyways. Anyway. Chad, yeah. Sorry. What else did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about. So earlier I teased, I know everyone's been waiting about this, waiting for this tease, but I'm um, talking about like how Quentin does like a great job of like adding like, you know, finding the, the best song or the right song for like a certain scene in the movie. So when um, what Lewis and Melanie, the nearest character and Melanie are supposed to like get ready to go and get like the pick up the cash at the store to do the handoff with the bag and she's getting ready and De Niro's just like, come on, in we got to go. We got to go. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the song that's playing in the background, it goes, um, where is it? Uh, it's it's I'm like, is it it's like foreshadowing her demise. And I thought that was pretty cool because it says uh, found out she couldn't fly. It was too late. And if she's too late, she's gone too far. She didn't know what she was heading for. And what I found out she was and what I found out what she was heading for. But it was too late. So. I, if you heard the song, it might sound better, but it's too late <laughs> because it's too late. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was pretty disappointed. I'm going to have to look it up because I seriously have no clue what song you're talking really? about. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'll look it up, but yeah, but I yeah. don't. <laughs> but you did a great job. Thank, oh, thanks. Um, speaking of Tarantino with the teen Turner, ah, Tarantino, Tony's Pizza Rolls uh, with songs. Um, I like... Uh, <laughs> And Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> James' brain just opened for a moment and like five different things ran out. <laughs> I was trying to say Tarantino and I couldn't. So I was like, Tony's Pizza Rolls. <laughs> um, no, in uh, in uh, Reservoir Dogs, when uh, Stuck in the Middle with You is coming on it, right? And they're going to cut off uh, the cop's ear or whatever. Like, it's just like, that's when I think I like started appreciating well it was clearly the first time i started appreciating tarantino because it was one of his the first movies he directed but like with the way music plays and that like that soundtrack's really good and then just like oh my god this is a gruesome scene and he's just playing this like uplifting song and it was just kind of something new and it's something i think he's kind of kept through the ages with his films of just having great music and yeah and very um different or intriguing music at different scenes but they play like the, however he's shooting it however he's directing it mm-hmm. the music always plays with what he's doing it's just it's always phenomenal so kudos to that dude yeah i love i love some of the beats he does like that and like kill bill as well there's some really cool like uh music numbers on that and some really cool fight scenes 
Yeah, even like oh, like he takes like theme songs and throws them in there because Kill Bill didn't, it was like the Green Hornet theme song or whatever when the Crazy Eighty Eights show up. Yeah, and even that like it just drove me nuts in the theater. I'm like, I know this. Why do I know this? I can't think of it. And like that's all I could think about for the next ten minutes until I got there. <laughs> <laughs> well, in addition with all the like different pop culture nuggets he throws in, I think we talked about this while back we didn't do starship troopers but we talked about that movie how they would bring in the commercials or whatever did anyone else love the chicks with guns video oh yeah i'm glad you brought that up job (laughs) oh that kills me oh it's demi Moore. (laughs) yeah it was really good because it it... i actually had to rewind it because i'm like did i miss something that's not demi Moore. (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's essentially just playing the entire time when when ordell is just ranting about all the different kind of guns and who to sell them to and why people don't want these guns and stuff like that. So yeah. Who, um, who won this movie for you? I'd say Pam. I think Pam stole the scene on quite a few different occasions. Like I think we like, we saw her in the very beginning, but then we didn't really see her for like a half hour, 45 minutes into the movie where I was like, okay, I know Pam Greer's an essential part. It's the title role. <laughs> like, where is she? And then, uh, but then when she shows up, she doesn't leave. And she just, I think she steals it every time she's in there. And like, to the point where like, I wasn't confident if she was really into uh, Cherry or not. Like, I thought that I didn't, I honestly wasn't sure if that was just part of the setup or yeah. who to trust with her. Right. Um, so I found myself even, even up until the end going like, I'm rooting for her. I still don't know what's going to happen next, which is also a good feeling for movies these days of being like surprised or at least being on edge. Like what I thought figured kind of would happen happened. Um, but I still was definitely not confident in how I was feeling about it. But yeah, Pam for me case. I, I agree. I think uh, she probably had the most allure. I liked when she dominated the scenes. Like I, like I said, the scene with, I mentioned it as the scene that I kind of called it after that, but it is when I think one of the better scenes she's in when she kind of lays down the law, when he jumps over to try to kill her. I was like, all right, you go, let's go. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, she, she stole the, the show for me. I, I would give a second nod uh, to Max Cherry. I thought he was great. Robert Forster was, was awesome in that role. Um, and just every scene he was in, just that stoic, calm demeanor. I don't know. It was, it was a good character. I liked watching that. What about you, Jamie? Black screen. Yeah, I think it's the a three, <laughs> three peat for Pam here. I um, we I I also mentioned I liked Robert Forster, but small shout out to Michael Keaton. I thought he was so good. It, like this could have been a throwaway part, and he was really famous at this point. Like just coming off of Batman, like he was a huge star. And there was one scene where I thought um there was going to be more to it when he he and um the other officer going through a bag. I thought he planted the cocaine in that envelope. It's like, it's like a weird cut. And I remember watching, I was like, Oh shit. Did he like plant that in there to nail her? But then they bring it up later. It was Melanie's cocaine. Yeah. But that's exactly what I thought too, Jamie. Yeah. I had to rewind it just to make sure. Cause I was not positive, but um, yeah, Pam Greer far and away. Yeah. I agree with y'all. I don't, I'm, Still going to say, I think, Robert Forrester for me, um, even though I think uh, Pam Greer is awesome as well. But um, yeah, Robert Forrester, I, I know through this entire movie, I was like, God, what what do I know him from? And I did the same as you, James. And I was like, oh, yeah, Breaking Bad. But yeah, I think he's awesome in this film. Um, it's almost kind of like his movie in a way as well. So him and Jackie Brown's uh film so but i gotta give it i mean shout out to pam greer though and especially like that opening scene on like the the moving sidewalk (laughs) that entire shot for like the entire song i was like in holding that face i was like again that's like another like quentin tarantino moment like being able to pull something off like that in the opening credits of the film so yeah those would be my number one and two do you want to get into ranking our Tarantino films. Do you want to just rank them all and how this would fit into those? Or you want to just do like a top five? I think God, we go all. He doesn't have that many. Okay. He doesn't right. have that many. I'm just going to have to pull them up here, but I don't know. Chad, if you got yours on the ready, go nuts, man. 
Well, number one for me would be Kill Bill. Um, I think it's one of my favorite. Then after that, probably be Pulp Fiction. Then number three, I would probably say Inglorious Bastards. Then I need to pull up the rest of the list. You know, what am I missing here? Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, that's probably after. Hold on. I'm trying to. I sent you guys that. Django. Django. Django, Once Upon a Time. I haven't seen Once Upon a Time yet. Neither have I. I need to see that. But yeah, just for me, I don't know. Just for me, I would say my top three is just going to be Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, and um, probably uh, Glorious Bastards for me. The rest after that does kind of all blend together. I would probably, probably say my least favorite is the. Um, I just watched that one too. You recommended it, Jamie. Is the the car one, the grind oh, death, death proof? Death proof. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> that, that movie was kind of boring for me. It kind of took me a surprise. That was kind of one of those shocking things too. But yeah, Jackie Brown would probably fit somewhere in the middle out of those for me. Yeah, Chad. No, I was going to say Death Proof does have the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of all his films. <laughs> oh, I was like, of all time? By a fair <laughs> bit, actually. 65% versus the next lowest is 74, The Hateful Eight. And then Chad, everything else is high 80s, 90s. Chad, I'd agree with you. Um, I guess I don't know if the order is accurate or not, but I'll, I'd say for me, uh, top three would be Pulp Fiction, Kill Bills, and then... I would go between Reservoir Dogs and or Inglorious Bastards. I'd probably say Reservoir Dogs just because I think um, I just appreciated the low budgetness of it and um, originality, things like that. Like so, I'll just go Reservoir Dogs for that one. But I mean, as Tarantino got more well known as a writer director, everybody wanted to be a part of his movies. Like you could just cannot deny the power of acting in Inglorious Bastards. Um, it just like the actors just take the stage on there, which is fantastic. Um, and then I'll give one shout out to, has anybody seen the movie four rooms? Oh yeah. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that movie. Four, four rooms is uh, basically Tim Roth is a, a bellboy at a hotel and he ha- gets called up to do, you know, deliver room service, bring a bag, whatever it is to, four separate rooms of this movie and each of the four rooms is written and directed by a different director and Tarantino did the fourth room and like so they each have their own little short storylines going on um and I don't know it's it's out there and it's fun but Robert Rodriguez did a room so like with like I think uh, Antonio Banderas is in it (laughs) about the kids that misbehave and I don't know it's it's worth a watch I'd say if you guys haven't seen it, it's a lot of fun I'm going to throw a curveball. My number one is Django. Nice. I'd say Django, then Kill Bill, uh, then Inglorious Bastards. I think that would be my top three. If it wasn't for Django, watching that before, and then now watching Jackie Brown, when he's commenting on um, Cherry's partner, of like, yeah, I was like, I'm like, I don't think I would understand what that word means <laughs> until this movie. Oh, got it. Yep. And for me, I also didn't know if it was inappropriate to say, so I didn't say it. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. I think so. I I'm lost. Man. And then Australian thing ate his baby. <laughs> Never mind. Oh sure. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I got it. so my list um inglorious bastards number one i I love that movie that's one of my favorite movies of all time um pulp fiction two, and this one it might be recency bias it like there's a very fluid middle here but i put jackie brown three it jumped reservoir dogs for me i liked it that much um so yeah bastards pulp fiction jackie brown and then there's this fluid middle with reservoir dogs kill bill and once upon a time i love all those all those movies and Given the day, I would probably rotate those three. So I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that that's rated pretty highly. People seem to like that one, huh? <clears throat> it, it's really good. It was I. 
it kind of like Jackie Brown. I was like, I think I like that. But then it was a movie I thought of for like the entire week after I saw it in the theater. So right. I need to watch again. And I haven't seen Django, which is my disclaimer to my list. <gasps> I know. Oh. <laughs> I know. Case, um, I'd say you would enjoy Once Upon a Time because it takes like, you know, supposedly, you know, a time in history that in characters are like, so it could be like based on a true story, but much like in Glorious Bastards, it takes tur- twists and turns that you're like, Mm-hmm. okay so this is your universe <laughs> not right. our universe um fun fact about Django, that. though I... oh yeah fun oh, fact go ahead, go ahead. Okay. no oh fine well, i was gonna say they're gonna, um i don't know if it's gonna be live action or not but they're gonna make a Django zorro movie huh like yeah like it's supposed to be so several several years after the events of Django unchained Django meets don diego de la vega from the uh the famed zorro and agrees to become his bodyguard on a mission to free the local our aboriginal population from slavery <laughs> i'm like yes please be a wow. real movie recast jamie i don't care you can bring back antonio i'm on board <laughs> so isn't quentin right. gonna be done after one more didn't he say he's gonna do yeah. one more and be done the pros are the last movie, one too right? oh did he it's called no, like, i thought he said two more after hateful eight so he did the once upon a time i think he has one more. he just said one more i think mm. the He's been on a few podcasts lately, and that's... Chad, did you see the Prozac movie? Or were you thinking of whatever that Viagra musical was or, we were kind of talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's time. what I meant. Viagra, not Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chad, before I interrupted, what were you going to say? I was going to say... that's You know, like you're talking about taking like you know something that's based on a true story then taking your own liberties to kind of create your own little world with that. And mm-hmm. I love that stuff because that's that's kind of like the type of movie that I have a hard time watching is something that's based on like a true story. That's like a, so for example, like, um, like something like walk the line, which I have a hard time watching. Even though I love Johnny cash. I grew up listening to Johnny cash, but I can't watch a film like that. It's based on like a true story or if it's like some kind of like a autobiographical. Cause I know that there's, even though like the events in the movie are like something that happened, I just know in my head or I just get in my head where I'm just like, I know this isn't what was happening. You know, like the dialogue is all still created and there's still stuff that's created for drama, you know, to like create this film. So that's where I love it. Like stuff like Inglorious Bastards or like you're saying with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they kind of create their own little worlds and stuff like that. I love that shit. Almost like some kind of form of alternate history or something like that. But I love it. Yeah. Yeah, like in Chad, for for what you're saying with that, I don't think you're saying it this way, but is it like for Johnny Cash, like you have this image, this feeling of Cash from listening to him when you're younger in your head and then watching like a biopic where you're learning some maybe some shitty things about him. Is that like because it takes you out of it or it's not really about that? No, I just. Part of it, I just know that there because anytime I do watch a biopic, the first thing I do is I Google like what events like in this movie like re- didn't really happen kind of thing or like what was real which mm-hmm. what was not and what was um you know made for hollywood kind of thing um so yeah nothing but like also suppose yeah, nothing, that, what's that i was just gonna say i also suppose like what worries me sometimes is like i know it didn't say based on a true story but like uh you know I think the Manson family murders is like a little bit more popular. Maybe kids today do know about that, but I just imagine like a 16 year old kid going to the theater and seeing this and then like, and then taking these events for truth (laughs) and like being like, Oh, that, well, that was weird. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like trying to research it. (laughs) Right. Be like, no, Sharon, no, Sharon Tate died. (laughs) So So what we're trying to say is PSA kids don't believe everything you see. Yeah, nothing is real and everyone smokes in Hollywood. Let's yeah, be honest. You need, <laughs> you need you need multiple sources of truth. Yeah. And kids, if you're wondering if it is truth or not, be sure to uh email Movie Time Machine and ask for Casey specifically. Uh he will I got you. Find... <laughs> he will I do the research you. and find out the answers for you. <laughs> well we're still waiting for our first uh email to um that we receive so I can actually then I'll actually go back and watch um Happy Gilmore. Come on, guys. <laughs> and gals. 
I don't know. Good choice uh, on the movie this time, guys. I do like when we see movies uh, that we hadn't seen before. It's very rare mm-hmm. that we can find that little unicorn. So uh, kudos to Jackie Brown for being that unicorn. All right. Before we go, I want to let you know to check out the Retro Movie Roundtable podcast episode 116, where we cover Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And unfortunately, my audio did not sound great on that. So um, <laughs> sorry, but check that out. It was a good conversation. They had me on the pod. So as you guess, so um, go over there, check them out, give them a listen. And before we go, we want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine. And remember, new episodes drop on Fridays. Please send your questions, comments, and feedback to Movie Time Machine Pod at J. <laughs> Movie Time Machine Pod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. Thank you for listening and catch you next time. Bye bye. See ya. See ya. Bye.